All right. You ready? Wait, you did what? Oh, nothing. I named my audio file. Shove him in my ass from last week. Why why would you name your audio file? Shove it in my ass. I don't know. I was tired. (laughs) (laughs) I got no no good explanation for it. So when you're tired, your default position is shove it in my ass? Pretty much. Okay. Theme song! (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we are Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is... Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. And Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? Oh, look at it this way. It's the first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick, you work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my own dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. Well, enough is enough, and it's time for The Rundown. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, it is The Rundown Wrestling Podcast, episode 343. And this week, we start off on a somber note. That's right, because the living legend himself, Bruno San Martino, died at the age of 82 last week, April 18th. We would, uh, we're not able to discuss it then, but we're going to discuss it now. He, of course was a large part of the reason why the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, then becoming World Wrestling Federation and now World Wrestling Entertainment, succeeded as much as they did. Uh, he, of course, also held the the main championship there for a, 11 years, a record that will probably never be working and hopefully never be broken either because there's nobody on the roster who want to see be champion for 11 years, although Brock Lesnar is probably on his way. <laughs> So yes, so uh, we at the at the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, of course, send our condolences to the San Martino family, and uh, this is this was one that was felt across um, all forms of wrestling. Yeah, he was sort of a just if you didn't grow up watching him, and I didn't, I've only heard stories from people who did, and uh, of course, seeing the video packages and whatnot, but. Um, the cultural impact this guy had is a source of pride for Italian Americans and just his, his, um, his ability to stick to his beliefs and his convictions and hang strong in the face of overwhelming. Like, I, I've heard stories where he refused to work with somebody because he heard them use curse words and he was against it. Like, this guy had very, very high moral standards. He stayed, uh, stayed too true to them. Um, probably wouldn't be in the hall of fame if it weren't for triple h i don't think he ever really got over his issues with vince um related to the territory days and and some issues i guess with his son but uh if you ever get a chance you should definitely watch the bruno documentary that the WWE network has uh there's clips of bruno discussing uh his time avoiding nazis and it's just some great amazing stories of what sort of uh, special individual this guy was and that's that's not even counting inside the ring uh where he made his greatest impact obviously and th- th- this guy was selling out Madison Square Garden based on his name alone 
Uh, he was the the draw before Hogan was there. It was Bruno, um, and you know some of that doesn't translate. You think of the living legends, the icons of the wrestling business, and I think this generation sort of lost the um, the ability to grasp the impact that Bruno had back in the day. But uh, certainly, he was every bit of the icon in that day that Hulk Hogan was in our generation. Yeah, one of the one of the few guys that we we still had had kicking around that uh, um, actually didn't bring a bad name to wrestling with some of his past actions because he was, uh, by all accounts, uh, very clean cut. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and definitely like like we said at the top of this, um, a, a big reason why Vince McMahon Senior's promotion was as successful as it was. Yeah. So we go from the living legend to a little segment we like to call... The Perfect Ten! A ten! A ten! A fucking ten! And we're going to start things off with, sadly, something that is still a staple in wrestling, and that is a contract signing. (laughs) And I have never been one to enjoy contract signings because they always end up the exact same way. At this point, the only way that you could actually... Um, make me enjoy a segment of a contract signing is if the two people sign a contract and walk out of the ring and nothing happens because at least that would be something new but of course Carmella and Charlotte signed their their match uh, not for the event that we have coming up Friday morning but of course for Backlash um, we'll, where we might see you know Carmella have a very short reign or who knows what will happen uh, more on that uh, in the coming weeks here but uh, yeah, uh, this uh, obviously broke down, and Charlotte grabbed the entire table and threw it into Carmella's face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought some excellent mic work here by Carmella, setting up her video package, playing it repeatedly. Uh, I thought Charlotte did a great job, sort of just in her stare and her walking down the ring, and never really said anything. Just signed the contract, grabbed Carmella, slammed her face into the table, and walked away and left. Uh, she pulled a stone cold, arrive, kick ass, and leave. Uh, that's pretty much what she did. I will say this with her black robe and her sort of icy cold stare. She reminded me of the uh, evil queen in one of those Disney films. Yeah, and maybe maybe a little touch of, of the old Charlotte coming back out, um, which, in my opinion, is the better Charlotte. Agreed. Um, Charlotte, obviously, is, I think both of us agree that is a better heel than a face, but this was exactly what she needed to be. Mm-hmm. She needed to be just sick of Carmella's shit yep. because that's that's what Carmella is. She's a shitster. Oh, and uh, her, her just throwing the belt in Charlotte's face and wooing multiple times was great, mm-hmm. too. So Carmella held up her end of this deal. Yeah, uh, I also was uh, um, was a little bummed that I completely forgot to bring up the fact that uh, during the match last week, uh, where where Carmella cashed in, we got a a little coming full circle between was, these that was two. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, sorry. Yes. Um, uh, um, these the, at the end of the match, we had a little little coming up full circle because the last time that uh, Charlotte and Carmella faced off was a tag team match, and after Charlotte put it down, she uh, wiped her feet behind her into Carmella's face. And then we saw the exact same thing happen when Carmella cashed in and won the championship. She did it right back to Charlotte. Uh, so <laughs> nice little touch of the, t- of the two ladies kind of, you know, keeping it, uh, keeping it, uh, kayfabe there. There you go. Um, so yeah, so, um, yeah, it was, it was a good segment. Um, you know, Carmella continues to be, uh, uh, annoying spoiled princess, which is exactly what her character needs to be. And Charlotte is thankfully, 
doing this now where it's just like i'm so fucking sick of this bitch i just want to kick the shit out of her so yeah she's sort um, of just playing silent badass which is a, a different type of role for her and she is very good on the mic so mm-hmm. um but it's definitely it's nice to have sort of a different angle to the character yeah and it, and it makes sense with her character too because she feels so disrespected that she's not going to come out there and bust out one-liners like that she's just going to come out there and i'm going to beat the shit out of this bitch so well, and given the uh, circumstances, it fits beautifully because she was she doesn't feel like she was actually beaten by you know a worthy competitor in a legitimate match. She feels like she got screwed out of it, and you know she was it was a cheap hollow victory. And mm-hmm. so I think for the for that reason, the way she's playing it is perfect. Yeah, there you go. All right, so um, we also uh, over on Raw decided to plant the seeds for a potential America Alpha comeback as Chad Gable made his debut on Raw and. Guess what? He had his old music back. Yeah. Um, not uh, not not whatever they decided to give him and Shelton. Not not some other random generic shit that they gave him, but the actual American Alpha music. Oh, Shelton kept the old music. Jordan's got his new music. So I guess Gable just in the divorce gets the American Alpha music. Um, it was kind of a kind of an interesting debut. They had him debut backstage in a little segment, uh, talking to Kurt, and Kurt basically said, "Listen, you're not getting American Alpha back together. You're gonna be a singles guy." Uh, at that point, Jinder walks in and Jinder's, Jinder calls him Nicholas, which I thought was fucking great. I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah. Uh, and then they had a match, and I think everybody's looking at this going, okay, great, Gable's going to lose. This is a great way to set up your new talent, except funny thing happened on the way to that. Gable pulls off the victory, uh, and my prediction for the uh, Alexa Bliss award out of this recent shakeup uh, is off and running on Raw. Yeah, very much so. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was it was a good good debut, and you were able to start to sort of put him over as a face, um, because obviously anybody against gender is going to get cheered. Um, but yeah, also having him him beat a former WWE champion, a former United States champion, instead of just having him lay down for him was great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, of course, there is some competition with that award because Baron Corbin also. Had a very very nice solid raw debut. Uh, Corbin is somebody that uh, I've I've enjoyed for a while, but you've been a little bit more hesitant on. I've gone back and forth on him. I, there are times when I, I I look at him and I see okay, I see it, I see the thing that they see in him, uh, and then the very next week it's gone. Um, mm-hmm. And to me, that's his biggest issue is just sort of putting it together consistently. I thought this week he came across like a star. I thought his promo was really solid. I thought his storyline logic made sense. I thought the way he played everything with Jose was good. And while I'm not necessarily, you know, flipping over the moon for No Way Jose versus Baron Corbin, um, you know, I'm certainly at least interested in to see what they do with it. Yeah. Um, Corbin to me is always a guy that, you know, there, there are certain guys that can overcome booking and there's other guys that need booking to be a certain way for them. And I think Corbin really needs to be booked a certain way. He he really doesn't have the skills to kind of overcome bad writing or or bad storytelling or anything like that. Yeah, he needs the the writing and the storytelling and the booking to be spot on for him. Um, and I think so far uh, having him against you know this dancing idiot is good because Corbin largely is a guy who doesn't give a shit. So to have him go up against somebody who is just going to be kind of an annoyance to him, I think is is a good a good start to you know having him kind of break out and be what he needs to be on raw yeah and, and i think the um 
when we talk about Corbin, to me, the best Corbin I've seen has been those talking smack segments when he was sort of off the cuff and not being um, hindered by what the writers gave him and just kind of being himself and sort of what his version of his character is. And I think that's when he was at his best. So I think we should. I felt like we saw a little bit of that on Raw this week. So hopefully they'll continue to run with it. Yeah, very much, very much so. Um, all right, so I'm st- I'm still of a different mind than you are, or at least I think I'm still of a different mind the mind than you are of this. But we had another segment where Ronda Rousey saved Natalia, and I know that we had a conversation um, in the host thread in regards to you know what Ronda's role is here. Um, I for one can't fucking stand Natalia. So having her, you know, in in this role, I I get what they're trying to do here. You know, they could they they have a chance of setting it up where, you know, you you have Mickey James and Alexa Bliss go against go against Ronda and, and Natalia and kind of take all four of those away from the title sequence stage while having Nia go against somebody else, or you simply like like you had suggested maybe. Have Natalia turn on Ronda because that's what Natalia does best is drop at the drop of a hat to a heel or face turn. But I don't want to see Ronda face Natalia. So that's where we kind of differ on that. I mean, I look, who do you want to see Ronda match up with on Raw? It's too early for a program with Alexa, really. It's, you know, you could say Mickey James, and I think that's who she's working on the European tour upcoming. Mm-hmm. So they'll, they'll do a little bit of that. Uh, and maybe that's sort of what leads into you know, she has Natalia's back. They do the feud with Mickey, and then at some point it's a tag match with Mickey and Alexa, and you know she turn Natalia turns on her or something. These two have a comfort level together. Um, they are training partners. They've worked together in, in terms of getting Ronda prepared for wrestling even before she actually signed her contract. So mm-hmm. it makes a ton of sense that if you want to get Ronda to look the best you put her in the ring with somebody who she's most comfortable with and to me that obviously is Natalia and that's probably really the main reason she was brought over to Raw probably that was a legit drop kick to Ronda's back though <laughs> um I was I was hoping we didn't have another page situation on our hands there because that 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 neck snapped on her pretty quickly but um we Can had I, that nice that that yeah. and then Ronda gets in the ring and that throw was the most legit thing I think I've seen her do oh, offensively yeah. that was great and then snapped it right into that arm bar that was mm. that that was some of the most effective Ronda uh ring time we've seen I thought yeah um we also had that awesome moment where um, I felt like you could have freeze framed it and turned it black and white on Mickey's face, and you could have heard someone say, "And that was the moment Mickey realized she fucked up." Because <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely that look at her face, like, "Ooh, shit." Uh, and yeah, and continuing the whole like Rhonda, you know, is a badass. She's she's not no selling, which I like. She she sells the hit, but then she gets back up and she's pissed. And right. that I've always enjoyed that much better than just like a straight no sell and being like, no, you're in trouble. Right. You know, I, I like it more. It's like, oh, that hurt, and now you made me mad. And that's exactly what we got, what we get from Ronda. That's, so that's what Lesnar does, and you don't like it when he does it. Mm, uh, he doesn't always. He he oftentimes will no sell moves. So mm, he puts. I, uh, I think he puts people over more than people give him credit for. I think he does. Um. I, just, I think um, he sold like a motherfucker for Braun. I think he sold like a motherfucker for Cena. I think he sold like a motherfucker for Joe. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't like the booking. I don't like the title on him, but you can't really 
takeaway from Brock that he he's done his part to sort of try to help put people's offense over. Right. And you know that Brock gets kind of a knock against him and and yes some of it is legit. Um but some of the stuff yeah, I mean it's it's the same problem that we have with the fans of of or the the people who do not like Roman Reigns is that a lot of it is well shit that doesn't exactly exist anymore. I mean, you know, you can talk about the fact that uh, you know, oh, Brock Lesnar only does a certain amount of moves. Well, he was busting up fucking belly to belly suplexes and shit like that during his match with Roman Reigns. He was doing more than just two German suplexes left and right, you know. So yeah, I mean that, <clears throat> you know, say what you will about the ending of that match, but yes, he does have more offense to him, and he's he he didn't do fucking thirty German suplexes in that match against no. Roman Reigns. Nope. No, he had he had like five or six. So. No, yeah, he's doing a lot more. Um, but again, it's it's the fact that he's he's motivated when he's against Roman Reigns. He's right. motivated when he gets he he looks at guys who he legitimately feels like could, you know, stand uh, hold their own in a fight against him. Right. And that's not Dean Ambrose. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's and that's that's always been the problem is he's going he's going to obviously be more you know. If he's against a guy like Braun or against a guy like Roman, he's going to be more motivated to it. He's going to think that this is a, you know, he's, as much as we try to take away from him, he's still a guy who wants to make money and he's a guy who wants to make the company money too. Right. You know, he's, he's been, there, there have been stories about it in the past where it's been like, you know, this is a money feud. I want to come back and do this. I want to work with this guy because I think that there's money to be made there. So. Oh, and and as much as we all sort of, again, like we want the belt off of him, the the fact is we all have talked on this show, you, myself, Sal, even Adam at times, that we were anticipating these matches with like him versus Braun for the first time and him versus Mm -hmm. Joe for the first time. So there is that element of him being sort of badass enough to to keep you interested. I don't know how we got on to the the Braun-Brock subject from where we started, but... Well, we're gonna we're gonna yeah, we're gonna we're, we're gonna slightly pivot into number three there, but yeah, um, yeah, it's you know the other thing too is as much as we want that title off of him, every time every every match that we've gone into with Brock, we've we've been saying oh it's predictable, and then shit happens that we didn't quite see. We all thought for sure that was the one match we could predict, even so much so that we all picked Roman Reigns to to walk out of Mania as a champion, and then he didn't. And that, to me, is always going to be something that's going to pique my interest more than just, all right, throw the belt on Roman, now we're good to go, you know? And we'll see what happens at, at you know, the, the event here Friday, but, you know, we've got another Brock match coming up. So, But we'll get more into that. But first, uh, we've got two big guys taking out uh, a big guy and a small guy, <laughs> because Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman destroyed Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Um, uh, the, the pairing of... of Lashley and Strowman is somewhat interesting, but it's again, it's one of those kind of they're just going to throw two guys together kind of thing. Obviously, we don't think that these guys are going to have a chance at the tag team belts or anything of like that. But well, no, um, but see, here's my annoyance. I look at this and I'm like, why wasn't this the mania spot? Why yeah. wasn't Lashley the guy? You could you would have had an oh shit moment. You would have had legit team that could beat the tag team champions and take them off the bar if that's what you want without making the belts look like a fucking joke and then you could work some storyline reason you had to get the belts off of them it wouldn't matter mm-hmm. but but you would have at least made the wrestlemania moment more legit i think this is seeing this just sort of angered me that we got what we got at mania 
Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, there was a, there was a good like 10, 50 different people that you could have put in that spot other than fucking a referee's son that would have made this much more, much better. And right. yeah, Lashley obviously is a big fucking dude. And, you know, you could easily sit there and be like, oh, yeah, it makes sense for, you know, for Brian to grab this big fucking dude. Yep, but uh, I also thought this was a good spot for Lashley. I thought he sort of felt like a big top guy at this point, which as he's getting sort of reintroduced to the the new WWE audience, which in some cases may not even know him uh, or his past with the company. Uh, I think pairing him with Braun was good. I think Braun was clearly the the star of this match, um, just based on how it played out. Uh, I will say this. I'm really looking forward to the the KO and Sammy show being a regular thing. It's already my my second favorite WWE talk show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, obviously, we know the history with these two guys, but uh, you you get them guys talking, and I mean it's it's going to be gold no matter what. Um, and and for his my, part, as much as shit as we've given him on this show, Kurt Angle I thought held up his end in that segment. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all about who he works with, you know. Uh, Carrot used to be the kind of guy that could work with anybody, and now I think you really need to be a little bit smarter with who he actually interacts with, because if he doesn't have chemistry with somebody, it's not going to develop overnight, and you know, he's got chemistry with these two guys, so, yeah, but uh, yeah, another thing with with Lashley is, I mean, yeah, most people might remember him as Donald Trump's guy, Mm. Um, and but other than that, I mean, he, his push kind of got, got sidelined a little bit with the whole ECW thing because they were trying to make ECW a brand and they wanted Lashley to be the top thing, but nobody cared about ECW at that time. So nobody really watched him. So when they moved over to Raw and kind of had him start doing things that, you know, um, but yeah, um, having him back, obviously he's really done, done wonders for himself on the indies. Um, you know, he, he became more of a, a, a well-rounded performer as well, because this was a guy who really couldn't talk. Um, and he was a big fucking dude, but he didn't have the wrestling skills. And now he's got the wrestling skills and he can talk. So yeah, his time in TNA, you know, as much as we shit on TNA, um, and you know, mostly well-deserved, uh, Mm -hmm. the way they developed Lashley's character was, was tremendous. And I still go back to the pairing of him with MVP. And I think that was really sort of when he turned the corner, Sometimes just being around a guy who's as good on the mic as MVP is really you just start to pick up little things and, and you can uh, work them into your shtick. And I think he really did that and ran with it. Yeah. Plus, it's it's the whole thing of, you know, when you when when the only thing that you've done in wrestling has been work for WWE, you don't always have those other skills that are developed because when you're working in WWE, you're largely having a lot of your promos written for you or you have to script out your promos yourself and you're more along the lines of reading a script, whereas on the independents, uh, there ain't nobody to do that but you. So you have to learn how to talk. You have to learn how to interact with other people when they go off script themselves because Mm -hmm. they might not have – they're not going to have a script. It's the independents. So you learn a lot more of that that improv on the indies than you do with the WWE. And, and yeah, that's why you've got a guy like him, a guy like Drew McIntyre, uh, you know, uh, when Cody Rhodes actually gets put back on the payroll, uh, in well, a he's still on way. the payroll. It's just okay, still on on, payroll, yeah. back on TV. Yeah, exactly. You know, we'll we'll start seeing that again, that again too. Uh, but yeah, of course. Speaking of Drew McIntyre, uh, Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler debuted as the newest tag team on Raw. Um, I enjoyed their dual finisher. The uh, um, oh, what the fuck's is the Claymore? 
claymore. Yep, the claymore into the zigzag was a, a really cool move. Yep. Um, and uh, and yeah, I'm interested to see what happens here. I think uh, Drew is a guy that needs a little bit of rehabilitation. I, I know NXT helped him, but again, most WWE people they're looking at this guy and be like, it's the fucking rock star guy. <laughs> so uh, it's it's nice to kind of see the new McIntyre. Um, I'm pretty sure that they had to change the the uh, ring mat out after Charlie Caruso was next to Drew McIntyre, though, because <laughs> she definitely was admiring what he had to offer there. <laughs> um, yeah, I, but yeah. I, I mean, I tuned into Raw excited to see the double Ds, but I was looking for Alexa. But I got Dolph and Drew, and I was okay with that, too. Um, yeah, I think these guys surprisingly um, made a good tag team. Uh, I, I still visually have I have a little issue seeing them as a as a team. I think there's some work there that needs to be done. Um but that was the case with Cesaro and Sheamus originally and now I see them, you know, it it visually they look much more like a team. So I think we can definitely get there. I think it's a good spot for both guys. I don't think it's for the long term. I feel like both guys are gonna be back to singles uh before too too long. But for the time being, I absolutely think this can work and work well. And I think it's a great way to reintroduce them back, uh, Drew back into the mainstream as well, as we talked about Lashley earlier. I thought Drew's promo afterwards was great, uh, except for the part when he said, like, I'm not the type of guy WWE wants. I'm like, you're big, you're jacked, you're huge, you can talk. You're pretty much exactly what Vince McMahon has wet dreams about at night. So, um did did he forget that he was once the chosen one? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like I, you're exactly what they wanted. They they only fired you because you got into a fight with your ex wife backstage. Right, exactly. Uh, but no, I thought this all worked really well. I was like I said, I was skeptical, but uh, now I'm a little more hopeful. Yeah, I I think that uh, you know the the two guys eventually will you know maybe dress a little bit more alike. Uh, maybe start, you know, kind of working on on their entrance together and things like that. Uh, you know, like the bar did. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we've we've also still had a little bit of conflicting reports in terms of Dolph Ziggler's status with the company. Uh, if he has actually signed a long term deal, or if he, you know, if if he has not and could potentially still be leaving the company after SummerSlam. So. Uh, I, I don't. That, where would he go, though? Really? I mean, well, we know that he wanted to be a stand-up comedian and he wanted to be an actor. So I right, think that's that, what he that would look at. That money's not there. So I mean, he's still a guy that wants to get the paycheck. Uh, he doesn't strike me as really a New Japan kind of guy. Um, I don't see him being happy in a smaller venue like that Ring of Honor would provide. He's not a right. guy I would consider like your indie sweetheart type of guy. Um, so I don't know. I I think he's probably in WWE for longer. And he's for his part, he sort of seems to have accepted his lot as being the guy who gets other guys over at this point and just has good matches. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I mean, five years ago, I would say yeah, he was, you know, the indie darling, or, or he'd be on that that status of indie darling kind of thing. Uh, you know, the internet was going gaga for him. You know, the fans were yeah. behind him. You know, his cash in was one of the louder louder pops and that I can remember. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about wasted moments, huh? Yeah. yeah. That was so the, wor- he, the perhaps the most unfortunate concussion in WWE history until Daniel Bryan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and speaking of Daniel Bryan, he was supposed to be the guest on Ms. TV, but that didn't happen. Nope. Uh, because instead, Big Cass decided to, uh, to to beat the shit out of Daniel Bryan backstage and take a spot on Ms. TV. Uh, and Cass did a really good job here. 
Um, his promo, I thought, was really spot on. You know, him kind of talking about the fact that his his weird mentality of like I was a small guy and I decided to get big was an interesting way to kind of put it. Where you know, when he was talking about I was I was a shorter kid growing up and then I I got bigger. No, and I I thought that was actually great. Um, yeah. First of all, I thought, I thought I I like that kind of delusional you know attitude that a heel might. Well, have. And, I, and I don't even know that it's so much delusional as it is just exposition, because basically what he's telling us is the reason I have issues with small people is it's sort of like a self-hating thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hated myself when I was small, so now I hate all small guys. I thought it was sort of interesting. Uh, also played into his previous alliance with Enzo, as you can say, you know, he's a little protective of Enzo because he remembered what it was like being a small guy. So I th- mm-hmm. it gave his character more depth and backstory than we've ever had before. I thought it was a outstanding promo, something that was long, long overdue for this character. I thought the the look of having him come out in a suit and tie was great. I thought that was a good look for him. I thought he played mm-hmm. cocky and arrogant, but he was logical. He made sense. He was well-spoken. That promo was money, and if we get more of that from Cass, I think this guy could potentially reach the star level that they see in him. Yeah. Um, I also, I, I know I've, I've been hearing a lot of people kind of upset that they wanted, you know, Daniel Bryan versus The Miz to be the first feud, but no, no, that's something that you build toward for a bigger event, not that's for a, That's a SummerSlam. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I like this instead, where we're still, where Miz is still kind of on the fringe of a Daniel Bryan feud, but not 100% in it. And I think oh, that big cast. I, I loved for for his part how Miz played this off. Like mm-hmm. after all those months and months of just instigating and needling Daniel Bryan, now that Daniel Bryan is physically capable uh, of mixing it up with him, now all of a sudden he's oh I'm over it. I had my kid. I'm a big man. I'm a bigger man now. I'm a changed person. I have no hostility to Daniel Bryan. That was just such beautiful chicken shit heel work um, mm. that I think sort of flew under the radar. Not everyone caught what he was doing, but it yeah. was fucking brilliant. Very much so. Um, yeah, and and like I said, um, putting Big Cass against against Daniel Bryan is not only a good return feud for Big Cass to get some heel heat, but also a good good you know return feud for Daniel Bryan too. Uh, and, because and you can book it in a way that you know the Miz interferes and costs Brian the match, so Cass gets the big win, which he probably mm-hmm. needs. I don't think he needs to be putting Daniel Bryan over at no. this point. Uh, Daniel Bryan doesn't need this win, but he can help sort of build Cass and still build his next program in the process. Right, exactly. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm interested to see what what they do from here, uh, for sure. Um, speaking of somebody who might have some issues with with getting a win apparently asuka just can't win anymore um so we set this one up as the she, iconics came she, she has a new streak yes a losing streak yeah. that's right uh and and my walls have a new streak too because the iconics <laughs> came out and uh first off they they cut their entrance which i was annoyed about but uh yeah, they got the jobber entrance but they did get the promo and the promo was fucking great yeah the promo was great them admiring themselves on the titan tron yes. was was very very well done yes. um the becky then, yeah. lynch thing yeah of yeah, course so... then immediately following that carmella did sort of the same gimmick admiring her video on the titan tron which i thought that's yeah. true yeah, um, but he kind of stood it first. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, then um, you know we had Asuka and uh, and Becky Lynch face off against the Iconics, and thankfully we didn't have the Iconics lose. 
Um, so, you know, even though it is kind of a bummer that Asuka apparently is just going to lose every time that she's against a SmackDown person. Having well, she iconics, didn't get pinned, but as we learned during the Mixed Match Challenge, that doesn't matter in tag yeah, team exactly. matches. Yeah, but having the Iconics not lose their first two matches um, was well, more important, I think. No, they Bill, lost. Oh, Billy Kay lost. Okay. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. So Billy Kay lost last week to Charlotte. Yeah. I was glad they did, which makes no fucking sense, anyways. Um, they shouldn't have shouldn't yeah. have had that match, or they should have. It was the way of Charlotte getting her heat back. That's all yeah. that was. Yeah. But yeah, having having them beat Asuka and Becky Lynch uh, here was was great, and of course they did it in classic heel fashion. So. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That was, was great. Uh, these girls are going to be money on the main roster. I loved them in NXT. I'm loving them even more. Yeah, Especially so. with the new boobs. <laughs> Speaking of new boobs. I see I set you up for that. You're welcome. <laughs> yep. Uh we had a moment of bliss. Uh this is a, a great way to let uh, Alexa uh heal up her tits. Um no, I don't she I don't believe that this was a plastic surgery guy. She had an, another minor plastic surgery thing. Although it might have been pumping them up a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, so uh, this is a good way for them to keep her out of the ring. While so we she haven't discussed this part on the show yet, though. So for maybe those who may not know, you're living under a rock somewhere. Uh, Alexa Bliss had a boob job, and they are I, spectacular. Alexa Bliss had a boob job again, but this time it was much better than her first ones. Um, she she was a former bodybuilder, had some really bad implants back in the day. Got them, got them removed, got them replaced, uh, and then apparently bumped them up a little bit more. But um, to still, Nikki Bella level. But think, yes, very yes, I agree with you on that. But thankfully, they they still they still look really good <laughs> uh, because we have, of course, seen some really fucking bad Charlotte. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's I was I was very happy and well, yeah. in, to, okay. Well, in Charlotte's defense. The only reason we know that about Charlotte is because we've seen the pictures. We haven't seen the full pictures of Alexa That's yet. True. So. That's true. But they're they're not uh, they're not like you can throw another boob in between them. Bad because <laughs> which happens with some fake ones. They they're very well. well again, we don't like really know that. All we've seen is some Instagram bikini photos, which she's laying on her back. So of course there's a little slidage there. Wow. And then she was in the ring on Raw, but she had her little T-shirt on. So you know. Yeah, well, and, and her gear has always been kind of geared towards, you know, pushing them together. So we'll yeah. see, we'll see, we'll see. We'll we'll have plenty of opportunities in the future. Yes, but in any event, um, she did. Uh, in, in, because she couldn't compete. Well, she was technically in the match. She never actually tagged in, I guess. But because they're sort of building her feud with Naya through this vignette, the uh, a moment of bliss where Alexa recounts walking down the street, seeing a homeless person. And giving the homeless woman her burrito bowl out of the goodness of her heart, yeah. only to stand there in shock and horror as Nia Jax snatches it away from the homeless person and eats it in front of her while laughing. Oh, my God. This was fucking amazing. The way they've now transitioned it to Alexa accusing Nia of being the bully is <laughs> yes. fucking amazing. This is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yes, they. This is this is a a rarity. This is something fresh. Honestly, we haven't really had this sort of this sort of interaction between you know a few before, where the where the bad guy is accusing the good guy of being the bad guy. Yeah. So, 
Uh, we we had a little bit of of it before where, you know, obviously her saying that, oh, she beat up, up Mickey and all Mickey was there for was just to be be on support, which is great. But now now she's just making up fucking lies to make her seem like a terrible person. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 fucking great. man. Yeah. I I want this to continue because, first of all, Alexa just has shown how much of an of a of a great actress she is. Because she just her delivery of this whole thing was just like she just just really hurt by this this whole interaction that they had. Yeah, yeah. There's nobody better than sort of the fake sympathetic uh, shit than Alexa. It harkens me back to the end of Elimination Chamber where she played up the whole I did it and you know nobody thought I could do it and you all suck. Mm. And she's just fucking brilliant at this stuff. I'm, I can't say enough good things about her. Yeah, very much so. And there's two more reasons to love her now. Yes, very much so. That <laughs> is. Uh, <laughs> so, um, our final final part of the, the uh, Perfect Ten, before I might have to take a little break here. Um, we got a reunion of the club as the Good Brothers teamed up with AJ Styles to take on Kak Nakamura. And Kak Nakamura has a new theme song yes he does <laughs> and it uh it might be better than his original one <laughs> i loved it and i love the logic too because now with the japanese rapping the the, the people can't do the sing-along bit mm-hmm. uh, so it, it's perfect you took the you you took the fucking crowd and you gave them the thing they liked probably most about nakamura and you fucking took it away from them mm-hmm. brilliant fucking work right there to put that over outstanding his entrance was great this the song is great uh gallows and anderson for the first time in a long time seemed like legit top guys being back with aj that pairing just works much better uh Mm. i think than even their pairing with balor uh they just seem to click better with aj uh the, the moment of um carl anderson saving sacrificing himself for aj and then AJ trying to get to him, but he can't get there in time to save him. Like this was just excellent storytelling, uh, and I am—I might be at this point, despite the disappointment of their WrestleMania match, I'm super excited now to see them see the, their match, the Greatest Royal Rumble. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, it was. This was a good match. Uh, it of course featured yet another AJ Styles uh, cock blow, which. <laughs> As I I enjoy that it's just become a staple of any interaction these two guys have with each other. Yep. And uh, and yeah, um, it it makes me very confident for the future, and I like the and obviously I'm very happy that the club got back together as well too. So yeah, uh, which I think we were all really hoping for once they moved over to SmackDown. We're like, oh wait, mm-hmm. the club faces. Yep. is a face. <laughs> he needs some backup because the dude keeps fucking hitting him in the balls. Yeah. And it also so. got Rusev into the spot in that six-man tag yeah. too so yeah very much so so he got he got to main event yeah um so yeah um all in all pretty good week uh but we've got something else to talk about this friday morning and at least in america here we oh, will have the well it's noon huh? time isn't it noon eastern so yes noon eastern sorry i was thinking my time yeah, nobody my time to fuck about that yep uh so yeah um noon eastern here in America, 7 p.m. at night, either yesterday or today, whatever. Elver in Saudi Arabia, we will have the greatest Royal Rumble. Uh, 
ever, motherfuckers. And, uh, uh, you know, a lot has been made about this, of, of being a possible uh, dipping the toe into the water of uh, potentially having a WrestleMania outside of the U.S. Um, a lot has been made about the fact that, uh, you know, they're in Saudi Arabia and they don't uh, allow women wrestling there. Um, but, you know... Oh, no, WWE... fuck wrestling. Renee Young can't even host the fucking kickoff panel. Byron See, Saxton's going to do that. Yeah, and I, I understand that, but I also understand that, you know, they're, they're there as guests of the, of that country and they need to respect the as as backwards ass as it is they need to respect the the culture that's over there and that's the culture that's over there see so I, 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 I have a different opinion on this my, my point is if you're going to trump yourself up as a beacon of you know women and female empowerment getting into bed with a com- country that completely subjugates and is totally misogynistic towards their women is not a good look. I understand, and, I, and I've had this debate with several people who I, I know and respect in the wrestling business over the last couple of days. Um, and their take is, you know, well, this is this is how you get change and blah blah blah. And this isn't change, though. This is them going over there and doing a wrestling show uh, where they're subjecting their female employees to the same shitty policies that exist over there. That's not change. That's not advancement. That's taking a $20 million payday and saying, sorry, girls, just because you want the $20 million payday. And to me, that's sort of shitty. Uh, For the female perspective, I hope they're making good for these girls because there's no live events for them this weekend. There's no merch sales. They're on only their Mm -hmm. downside guarantees for this weekend loop, um, which is a financial hit for them. Um, I just think this is a really bad look for the WWE, given what they're trying to put over. I understand the notion that you're not going to go over there and, and dictate terms to a, a country and and all that. My take on that is great. We would love to come do a show for you guys once you get to the point where we don't have to take away some of our top performers and and just sort of tell them sorry you're out of luck you can't work this weekend we'll be happy to come over and do a show till then you can't because here's the thing people see and i find it weird because people have no problem with this a lot of people are okay with this idea and under the uh, the guise of well it's change but if you replaced women with black wrestlers yeah i think you'd see far more outcry if you replace women with gay wrestlers, not that that's publicly a thing that very often, but if it were, you'd see far more of an outcry. But for some reason, because it's women, people are sort of okay with the notion because, hey, you know, that culture has just been shitty to women for so long. We just kind of, you know, it is what it is. And I think that tacit acceptance, that tacit approval that you give them by going over there and doing that is just a horrible look on the company, in my opinion. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, it's not my hill to die on, so I'm just going to sit here and, you know, challenge you to put your your title that you apparently gave yourself, a prediction champion, <laughs> on the line, <laughs> uh, as we predict who's who is coming out of the Greatest Royal Rumble with a gigantic fucking trophy. <laughs> uh, but before that, we've got some undercard matches, and we're going to start off by deciding who is going to be buried in the casket as Rusev takes on The Undertaker. 
Okay, so The Undertaker's winning this. To me, the only question is, is this longer or shorter than the Cena match at WrestleMania? Yeah, this is this is one of those things where um, if this was a normal pay-per-view, I, in America, I could potentially see Rusev going over to bury The Undertaker and let him disappear for a while. But this is them trying to you know, send the Saudi Arabian audience home happy. And so the undertaker is definitely going to bury Rusev. Uh, the question is how much is he going to bury him? As you've said, and I think it's going to be very, very deep and very, very quick, which is exactly the way that I would describe the first night. I lost my virginity, uh, to the college football team. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, we're going to not and every much. season ever since. Yep. Uh, so then we go to the 2008 main event match between John Cena and Triple H. <laughs> yeah, this is another spot where the face has to go over. Just this is Cena. Yeah, yeah. Triple H is not coming out here to put over John Cena, um, but they could potentially, you know, no, no, no. he Cena. is going to put over John Cena. Sorry, sorry. All right, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, um, this you're not going to see. John Cena put over Triple H is what I meant to say. Not um, after getting jobbed out to The Undertaker in like no. two minutes. Exactly. So not much to say about those but two matches. This, well, neither did WWE this week. They barely yeah. mentioned these two matches were even taking place. They had Rusev in the main fucking event on SmackDown and at no point mentioned that he was going to face The Undertaker at Grey's Royal Rumble. Right. So that Which tells exactly, you all you need to know about how important they consider this event. Right, which is exactly why we're not talking about it, because of the fact that these matches are strictly here to make the crowd happy. There's no build to it. There's no kayfabe to it at all. This is just, we we needed to have The Undertaker and John Cena win on the card in order mm-hmm. to try, we needed to have them on the card to try to sell tickets, which yep. they did. Um, this, there, there will be, there, this will be a full building. I would, I hesitate to call it a sell it because there's a lot of comps, but there will be a full, full building. And part of that is by having John Cena and The Undertaker on there. And, and you do not have these two guys on the card without, unless you have them win. And comps and sales don't really matter. It's a sold show. So they're making right. their money no matter what. Yeah, exactly. They're making their money in a lot of different ways over there, too, with different television deals and stuff like that, too. So, um, And by not having And I believe they're have, selling their women into servitude for the weekend. So, you know. That is true. That is true. So Alexa Bliss is going to put them titties to work. Right. Uh, so, uh, the first match that actually does have, uh, uh, the rest of the matches that have storylines to them are for titles or for a giant trophy. So, um, <laughs> the Cruiserweight Championship will be on the line as Cedric Alexander takes on Callisto. Because this is a match that we were clamoring for. Uh, for absolutely. Sure. This is the match of who, which two guys could get a visa quicker. Um, Cedric Alexander is not taking the belt off Cedric Alexander, let's be honest. Kind of surprising that Kalisto was able to. Oh no, wait, no, he's American. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm going with you there. Cedric Alexander just won it. Kalisto is has no fucking positive momentum to him, no heat at all. So yeah, uh, he's just there to put on a good show yeah. and try to get the Latino market that's over there, I guess. Um, so the next one, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, are on the line as the Super Smash Brothers, the Bludgeon Brothers, take on the Oozles. Yeah, and if you watch this week on SmackDown, Jimmy Uso scored a victory over Rowan uh, because Naomi came out and interfered. Luckily, that shit ain't going to happen at the Greatest <laughs> Royal Rumble. Hey, well, you so, know. So, Bludgeon Brothers that's why, win. That's why they're putting the titles on the line, then. If she tries um, to run out, I'm pretty sure they'll behead her. So. They might. Um, and we're talking the Bludgeon Brothers, not the audience. Oh, no, I meant, uh, the, I meant the government. 
Oh, well, I meant, I meant Luke Harper was probably going to rip her head off and then take it home with him at night. Uh, because he has gotten incredibly creepy towards Naomi on Twitter, which is <laughs> saying something considering that this guy has never tweeted anything other than, you know what that means, and the day of the week it is. <laughs> so the fact that he actually broke his, his like string of like 6,000 fucking tweets in a row saying the same thing, uh, is saying something about what he's doing here. Uh, but yeah, I, I also believe that this is just a way for, uh, the Bludgeon Brothers to be fully put over as the dominant team that's out there is to take on the old champions one-on-one. All right. The Raw Tag Team Championships uh, are on the line as Vacant has vacated the belt, and the Deleter of Worlds, Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt, will take on the bar, Sheamus and Cesaro. So this is interesting because... Jeff Hardy's facing Jinder Mahal, and if Jinder Mahal wins the U.S. title, the U.S. title goes back with Jinder to Raw. And the Intercontinental title is being defended by Seth Rollins against The Miz and Samoa Joe, and if they win it, they take the title back with them to SmackDown. But as we found out this week, if the Bar wins the Raw tag titles, they go back to Raw with them. Fucking get how that logic... Whatever. Anyway... um, yeah, I, I'm going to go for the, the sort of upset here. I think the bar is going to win here. I think um, they sort of overstacked the SmackDown tag division. I'm not sure if it was done intentionally or not by not really moving a significant tag team from uh, SmackDown to Raw. You're looking at now you get the Bludgeon Brothers, the Usos, the New Day. You just called up Sanity. You've got So that tag division is stacked. Um I don't see a whole lot of spots for the bar, and I see a tag division on Raw that needs bodies and legitimate teams. I'm going to say the bar wins the tag titles here and goes back to Raw with them. Before they had that stipulation on it, um, I thought that this was actually going to be the bar winning it and then just losing it at Backlash to a Raw team just to kind of you know do something with the titles. Um, but I'm actually going to say that Hardy and, um, and Wyatt are going to win the, t- the titles and the bar stays on SmackDown and probably breaks up. <laughs> yeah, I just don't see it. So I think that I could very easily see a scenario where the bar wins it here, goes back to Raw, then drops it at Backlash. And then goes back to SmackDown? No, they would stay on Raw because now they reestablish hmm. Raw talent. I guess. I don't know. That's this, this pay-per-view kind of sucks in terms of predicting stuff uh because of the superstar shape kind of fucked a bunch of things over on it and you know having to do things like that uh including this next match because the u.s championship is on the line as jeff hardy takes on jinder mahal i'm gonna say jeff hardy wins and keeps the title on smackdown uh only because it looks like they're sort of already building the jeff hardy randy orton program um and it doesn't make a ton of sense for that to not be for the U.S. title, especially since Randy still has a contractually obligated rematch. So I'm going with that. Yeah. Uh, also, um, I'm not sure if Vince McMahon knows that Jinder Mahal is not Saudi Arabian. Um, that would be the only thing that I think might uh, um, for sure make it that Jeff Hardy wins it because you can't win in your home hometown or home country at all. Um, but we're not in Canada, so maybe he, he has a chance of winning it. But yeah, I think that uh, um, that that they did they they moved the U.S. title, you know, back to to SmackDown, put it on Jeff Hardy for a reason. Because otherwise, they could have just had this be 
Jinder Mahal against whoever the fuck they cared about on, on Raw and not had anything. Or, I mean, I left Jinder on SmackDown, moved Hardy over there anyways. All the shuffling that did and shit like that was for a reason. And I don't think that, I don't think that any of the titles are actually changing brands here at all. Right. That moves us right along to... Why is that out of order like that? That's weird. Uh, that moves us right along to the WWE Championship as AJ Styles... Well, why don't we just do the IC title and keep it... Alright, we'll just do the IC title because Seth Rollins puts the title online against Finn Balor, The Miz, and Joey Samoe in a ladder match. Let's say we, we said we don't see any of the titles switching brands, but let's say I do see him switching hands. I'm going to say Finn Balor wins the, the IC title here. Uh, I can see a scenario now where you build sort of Balor and Rollins and they go back and forth and even trade the title a couple times. Um, I, I think this is a good start to that feud, and I think a great way to do it is to have Balor win the title in a ladder match where we know he, he excels. All right. Um, <laughs> as, much as, I, as, as much as I love my boy Rollins, I'm going Joey Samoe on this one. I think that Samoa Joe wins the IC Championship, and I will get to the reason in a little bit. Uh, but first, we've got uh, AJ Styles defending against Shinsuke Nakamura for the WWE Championship. I could totally see a scenario now with how well the Shinsuke turn has gone, where they pulled the trigger on putting the title on him. Um, I'm going to go with AJ just because I think that's the safer bet. But uh, yeah, I could, I, I could totally. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they go Nakamura. Put it that way. Okay, I'm actually going with Cock Nakamura okay. uh, as the new champion here, um, just to kind of have have it be a memorable event. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, have have him win it, um, and because I've been letting it go first on all these ones, I'm going to explain my choice of IC champion because I think Brock Lesnar retains the Universal Championship against Roman Reigns. Okay. And I think that the Roman Reigns Samoa Joe match at Backlash is for the IC belt. Okay. Who does Jason choose? Uh, I've, you know, WrestleMania was set up to be Roman Reigns moment. We were all sort of a little surprised when that didn't happen. Once this match came out, it made a ton of sense to me. I, I think this is where Roman wins. I think he gets a stronger reaction here than he would in the U.S., uh, and I think that's sort of what they're going for is, is having the moment where he wins that title and he's not getting you know drowned in booze. Uh, mm-hmm. I think for this big event, they want a big, huge moment to close the show and changing your big, quote-unquote biggest championship uh, on that stage is, is a way to make this uh, a memorable event. Okay. And finally, we have a 50-man emphasis on men. Greatest Royal Rumble. The we have twenty six of the fifty participants in this one. Uh, we know Zack Ryder will not be part of it. No. Nope. Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Daniel Bryan, Big Show, Braun Strowman, Kurt Angle, Apollo. Everybody Cruz. that's not on the show. Let's just say that they they have they have less than fifty contractually signed male talents. So they're everybody that's on the roster that's not already in a match. That's. Plus some surprises. We don't need to run through every name because they're not official. There's, they're not all there. They're official. But, I mean, they're not all there. There's okay. there's more guys than what we listed. All right. Do you have a, do you have well, a winner? Do you have somebody you think is going to win? 
Well, we we should say the surprise names that we've gotten there. Obviously, I said said Big Show and Kurt Angle. Shane McMahon has entered. Rey Mysterio, and thanks to some promotional stuff, the Great Kali has also been announced. <laughs> so look forward to. Well, you know what? Beth Phoenix isn't going to be able to eliminate him. I knew it. I knew you were going <laughs> to fucking say that. Um, I think it's Daniel Bryan is going to win this one. Uh, I'm going Santina Morella. And uh, uh, that's how they get around it. Uh, no, uh, Braun Strowman's winning this fucking thing. Okay. All right. Well, that was a fat load of fucking shit. So let's go. <laughs> it's they they fucked over their own pay per view by the superstar shakeup. Yeah, because backlash and... is like the fucking week after. So right. you've spent yeah. all the time building towards this event, and now by the time you get back, you're gonna have. Well, you've been sort of half-assing between building two shows at once, but by the time you get back, you're looking at almost no time to put over the actual pay-per-view. Right, exactly. Um, the only thing that we were able to put over on back, or that we were able to build successfully on Backlash were the women's matches, because I, you didn't have any other fucking choice. Yeah, you didn't have to fucking so. worry about that for the Saudi Arabia show. Yeah. So, yeah. So Cause you, money. You, yeah, you completely shot yourself in the dick here because, like we said, most of these these matches were made before the Superstar Shake-Up, and then we did oh. the Shake-Up. And they still they had to change some of the matches, and also a lot of them are just like, well, they're not going to, they're not going to put every fucking title on SmackDown, so we know that these ones aren't going to win it, you know. And yeah, you, you should to... you shouldn't use the phrase "shot themselves in the dick" because truthfully, if you don't have a penis over in Saudi Arabia, it's not going to work. So that's true. That's true. So well, hopefully, uh, hopefully Titus O'Neil keeps his pants on when he's over there. <laughs> he has one. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it exists. I, was, I mean, I've seen it. Do you think they make Seth a king? Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, uh, there's also a um, a tryout going on over in Saudi Arabia, and the person that they choose out of that to sign to a contract will also be a part of the Greatest Royal Rumble. It, so. it won't be a tryout for the women's division, though. There's no women that are actually wrestling over there, so I'm going to say that, yeah. Uh, anyway, so we start things off Friday, April 27th. The Wisconsin Pro Wrestling is live at the rendezvous of Luxembourg. Come on and watch all of your favorite WPW wrestlers presented by Luxembourg Milling. Doors open at 6.30. Show starts at 7. Come out and support the Door County Destroyers. The Tag Team Championships will be on line as the Players Club take on Bad Religion. Adam Grace will take on on Colin Brooks. Joey Avalon will take on Logan Lynch. Also scheduled to appear TW3, Brock Hall, Stacey Shadows, Melanie Cruz, and gorgeous Jordy Lee, and many, many more. And Elk Mania Promotions presents a night... Elks on A Nightmare on Bow Street, a family-friendly pro wrestling fundraiser for the Northeast Kill Some Animals Shelter. The event will take place uh, on Saturday. What? Huh? I'm, I'm just reading what it says. I'm pretty sure that's incorrect, Troy. Mm, I don't know. That's what it says there. That is inappropriate, sir. <laughs> I mean, that's what they do with the animals. They don't, they don't get picked up. So that's... make sure to come out. Make sure to come out because otherwise they're just going to throw them in the furnace. That, oh, Jesus Christ. So Saturday, April 28th at the Beverly Salem's Lodge of Elks. Uh, doors open at 630, bell time at 7. If you haven't purchased your tickets yet, they are available at Silver Moon Comics and Collectibles in Salem and Paper Asylum in Beverly. 
Tickets are ten dollars in advance and twelve dollars at the door. Can you imagine wrestling fans going into a comic book store and and yes. being mocked being mocked by by asking for wrestling tickets? That's got to be a change of pace. <laughs> uh, tickets can also be purchased on uh, in advance online for twelve dollars because you know that makes sense. Um, is is that a typo? Have we figured that out yet? Because it says tickets are ten dollars in advance, so then it says you can purchase them online in, in advance for twelve dollars. Oh, that's Adam's gimmick. You'd have to ask him. All right. Well, whatever. Mm-hmm. Kill some animals. Also, champion the maniacal Jack Kruger defends his title against everyone's favorite metahuman supervillain, Insane Dick Lane. Bay State Champion insane Derek Simonetti Dick Lane will defend the title <laughs> against Alexander Lee. <laughs> Also, Derek Conway chases vengeance when he takes on the man who stamped him in the back at Alchemania 5, his former partner, Kevin Giles. The Middlesex Express, Middlesex Express, with Chad Epic, defend the New England Tag Team Championships against the mainstay pussies. Awesome. The Widow Belmont will collide with Delilah Hayden in a women's showcase match. What's a women's showcase match? Is that just like, hey, we've got women, here's their fighting? Yep. Because that seems kind of like, kind of derogatory, doesn't it? At least they're on the show. Tough talk. <laughs> Tony Spencer will take on Theodore J. Liftington to determine who is the strongest man in the room. And more. What if there's a big jack dude in the room who's stronger than both of them? I really want it to be that uh, Tough Talk Tony Spencer and, and Luptington the third over there, or whatever his fucking name is, do a strongman competition, and they look over and there's fucking Mark Henry in the crowd, and right. he's just like, oh, yeah, how's it going, guys? Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Liberty States Wrestling returns on Saturday, May 12th with the season finale, Respect, live from the John McCarthy Elementary School in Peabody, Massachusetts. Already signed for this event, a tag team grudge match has fabulously unequal to try to regain their Liberty States Wrestling tag team titles from Brett Domino and D.L. Hurst in a two out of three falls match. Also, Nico Silva, Nico Silva defends the Some Limits Championship against the Punjabi Lion, Robo. Vanity Vixen takes on the Widow Belmont. More matches will be announced soon. I, I also understand there is a Liberty States Wrestling Championship match featuring the selfie-made band Vern Vicalo. Tickets are $10 at the door. Doors open at 6.30. The show starts at 7, and it is the last show for Liberty States for the year until September. What the fuck, man? What? <laughs> you guys don't have a show until September? You guys. I don't work for Liberty States. Oh, that's true. Sorry. That's Adam's game. Um, also, I guess, fuck your current champions that your you're read talks about the old champions before them. Well, you know. One of them runs the promotion. Just oh, like, yeah? Uh, Lucky Pro Wrestling <laughs> presents Toy Town Showdown on Saturday, May 19th at the Wendell P. Clark Memorial YMCA in Winchenden, Massachusetts. Tickets for this event are just $15. It is a special fundraiser for the Clark's YMCA Building Brighter Futures annual campaign. Already announced, the retrosexual Anthony Green takes on diehard Eddie Edwards. Well, that's he used to be diehard Eddie. Now he's what, Mr. AIP? Eddie Edwards, uh, Impact Wrestling star, also scheduled to appear. Impact Wrestling knockout, Alicia Edwards, the selfie-made man. What's that? Go figure. Yeah. The selfie-made man, Vern Vicalo, Riot, Kellen Thomas, Tomahawk, Shady Shea Cash, Perry Von Vicious, King Leon the Sixth, Jocelyn, Zachary Pierre Ballou. Also, you will have a special over-the-top rope Toy Town Rumble with the winner facing LPW Hard Knocks champion at Star Clash, June 23rd in Clinton, Massachusetts. Tickets are on sale online at LuckyProWrestling.com 
or at the Clark YMCA. I really wish you would stop putting the full fucking URL like I'm going to read that. You go to LuckyProWrestling.com. You'll find out where to get your tickets. That's right. Bruce City Wrestling returns to the Elks Lodge in Waukesha, Wisconsin on Saturday, May 19th for Retribution. Bell time is 7.30. Doors up at 6.45. Tickets are at Riggside $20. Advanced $60 using PayPal on BruceCityWrestling1.com. $18 at the door and kids 10 and under are 10 bucks. Then stay at the Elks and join the stars of Bruce City Wrestling for the after party. There'll be a six-woman tag team match as the Midwest Slayers, Tisha Shadows, Evil Sierra, and Lena Oro take on Blue Phoenix, Vanessa Azor, Tess Valentine, and Melanie Cruz. The tag team match will see Roadhouse James Vincent and the Mouth of the Midwest JP take on Brandon Blaze and our witch star Bruce City Bruiser. A flaming casket match will take place as Demigod of Death Funny Bone takes on Evil Dysfunction. More Phantom Money matches announced soon. Go to BruceCityWrestling1.com. Follow them on Twitter at BCW1 or Instagram at Bruce City Wrestling or Facebook, Bruce City Wrestling 1. And Atlantic Pro Wrestling returns with Spring Loaded on Saturday night, May 26th at 6 p.m. at the Newbury Newburyport Elks, 25 Low Street, Newburyport, Massachusetts. Already signed your main event for the evening. It is a rematch of former Three Kings allies turned enemies as the unequaled one Todd Sopel takes on Ring of Honor superstar the Kingpin Brian Malonis. The APW New England champion Bitter Buddy Romano with fellow Venom members, the anti-American and the anti-Americans, the Canadian legend Matt Loudon and the Sheikh Abdullah Hassan will defend his title against the winner of the number one contender New England Championship Battle Royal to take place earlier that evening. Also scheduled to appear the APW Heavyweight Champion Champagne Joe Moakley with John Cena Sr. The APW Tag Team Champions the Main State Posse, the APW Women's Champion Adira, the Hampton Beach Bad Boy Hunter Ward, the Unequaled One Todd Sopel, Mr. DTF Dan Terry, the Selfie Made King Vern Vicalo, DL Hurst, Brett Domino, Bugsy Stone, and Ike. Stay tuned for more updates. Tickets are $12 at the door. Advanced tickets are $10. Reserved front row seats $15 and that allows you early admission to the show. Tickets are available at the door and at AtlanticProWrestling.com slash products. It is an all-ages show. There is a bar that's 21 plus with proper ID. Doors open at 6. It is a 6.30 bell time. Stay tuned for updates on future matches. And as always, the card is subject to change. Then that does it for the rundown for this Thursday, April 26, 2018. Eh, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> it's been 30 seconds since Troy got up in the middle of the show and left. Hey, well, at least that one was less noticeable. <laughs> Till now. I got keys. I got keys. Yeah, until you fucking said something. <laughs> right? Blue K Fabe. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rundown wrestling. Email the show. Rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 617-863-6967. That's 61-RUNDOWN-7. But you're also on Patreon. You can head over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. There are two different levels, a $5 a month level and a $10 a month level. Both, both of them will get you free. Not free. You have to pay for it. We'll get you early access to shows on the Rundown feed, such as uh, Nitromania, WrestleMania Salvation. Are you having That's a seizure? Much it. No, why? Okay, you're just stumbling a lot in this read. Like, uh, I'm just fucking frazzled, I guess. I guess. So. Uh, the ten, the ten dollar one will grant, grant you grant you a guest hosting spot at any of our rundown shows. 
Nobody's taking it, so I'm not even going to fucking do it. Let's do our friends at Kingpin Brian Malonis of Mike Crockett on the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing with new podcast every Monday. Go to Facebook.com slash DWPAN or DWPAN.com for more information. Check out our friend Justin Michaels on the show Yesterland Waltz on Tough TV. Go to ToughTV.com to stream it live. Subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear other shows and to revisited. The Rundown Sit-Down, WrestleMania Salvation, Gilear Shtick, and the Nitro Mania Podcast. You can follow our host on Twitter at jstuart0920. That's S-T-U-A-R-T, because it's not the normal spelling. Yeah, that's true. At Rockstar Troy, and nobody else decided to come, so fuck them. Thank you. You can put over at WrestleMania Taz. Sorry. All right, yes. Uh, You can follow at WrestleMania Taz or at at Johnny Analog, a lifelong fan of the show. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Jason. Thanks, Troy. Thanks to my children for making Jason's job infinitely harder tonight. And thanks again for that awesome theme song. Next week, we review that Saudi Arabian shit. So we'll see you next Thursday. Bye-bye. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Cielzo and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. The episode was hosted by Troy Bozen and Jason Stewart. For your members, your question boards, your network, check out all of our other podcasts and shows at questionnetwork.com. And tune in next week for another episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. <laughs>